0: Hello my friends, welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. This week I sit down with Dan and Adrian, and we discuss the question, why would people follow you? It's an interesting, provocative question as we think about leadership and the role of leadership. Do we ever stop to ask ourselves, why would people follow me? There's some really good things that are drawn out in this conversation. I can't wait for you to hear. Let's dive in. Welcome back to The Conversation, Adrian and Dan. It's great to be with you. It is great to be here. Uh, I wanted to mention right at the top of this, we're coming off of an incredible weekend in Austin, Texas, The Revenant. What a time that was.
1: Rich, rich conversation. I mean, breathtaking, really, Um, for all the people that came through and, you know, decided to really get the most out of the situation. Holy cow. Yep. I'm Very excited. I don't I don't remember ever being as excited, leaving a four-day event. Couldn't wait to start the next four-day event in Nashville that's coming up at the end of June. Um, just can't wait to get back in the ring. So much so many great things happen. That's what I told Dan before you were on the
0: call, Adrian, was uh can we do this every other weekend?
2: <laughs> as long as I can that's sleep great. in
0: between <laughs> sleep the entire time in between.
2: <laughs> that's right. I
0: Yeah. So for those of you listening, if you don't know what we're talking about, the Revenant is a public training that Dan and Adrian facilitate. Um, Been doing about three or four a year. Um, This one, I mean, this one had 20, 21, 22 individuals in it that came to make something happen in their lives. Something that wasn't lining up for them or something they wanted to go after. Came to the room for four days, gave it all. Um, huge transformations, huge differences made for each other. And, uh, there's another one coming up in June.
2: In, so, uh, in Nashville, Tennessee,
0: Nashville, Tennessee. So if that sounds like your bag and believe me, it is, even if it doesn't sound like it is, um, if this sounds like your, ba- your bag, we invite you to join us. You can check it out. We are revenant.com. All the registration or application information is on the website there. And this one's going to fill up, um, yeah. And it's already started to fill up. So that's fantastic. We also want to talk about the uh, Academy for Effective Leadership. I'm not going to, our time is short on this episode, so I'm not going to go too much into it, Um, but that's an announcement that's going to be coming up quickly. Adrian, I love the way you talked about it in the Revenant. Do you want
1: to just mention really quick what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So Intrepid, the the Academy for Effective Leadership, and we're just aiming at aiming at what can happen in our lives and the lives around us if we decide to double down, triple down, quadruple down on courage. So the, the, the willingness to be Intrepid is like the willingness to really go after life and take on whatever challenges are there, both internal and external. So there's two, two types of people that are going to get the most out of this. So this isn't for everybody, but there's two types of people that can get the most out of this. One is if you do our type of work, if you engage with people on a, on a daily basis to help advocate for them, whether that's a coaches as from a coaching perspective or a, a, a consulting perspective, if you're in a sales position, something like that, that's really around generating the most amount of rapport and impact in a moment, you're going to love uh, the intrepid or also if you're a, if you're an executive leader that, um, either a new executive leader or an existing executive leader around wants to tap out on what is, how do I presence myself with a team to generate the most amount of two things, results and rapport. Hmm. So results like make great things happen, rapport, the team gets stronger over time. We're anti-fragile. There's no conversation off limits, no feedback that doesn't get to the table, no insight that's hidden. It's just like everybody's in it to win it. Like, and we've had those feelings before. So if you that's not on accident. So some Mm -hmm. people can get away with generating that based on their personality. If you if you you can't scale your personality, but if you come and, and go through this process, we're gonna help you get clear on how to make distinct the principles that make your personality work. And you can scale principles and train those into a team and correct all along the way. So that's what it's about. So that- it, is the ref- it is the refiner's fire of leadership, I will say
0: that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you've never gotten feedback like this, <laughs> both from uh, standing in front of a camera for a long time and, and having opportunities to, to get that feedback for yourself. Um, but also everybody in the room dedicated for your good, dedicated to you to, to figure out what it is that you're going after and giving you that feedback. So that's our commercial break for this episode. Uh, we want to see you either at Reverend, Revenant or apply for, the, for Intrepid. That would be really fantastic. It sounds like either of those are for you. So let's dive in, gentlemen. Um, I had an interesting conversation with a client where we were debriefing their Harrison assessment this morning. And this, this particular person has now found herself in a leadership role in the company coming from the space of being a computer programmer. So from performer computer programmer to leader or title that hopefully a leader fulfills. <laughs> so that's what, that's the direction I wanted to go. Cause she's, she's now feeling the contention of like, Oh, my computer, me being an efficient, computer program or an effective computer program does not necessarily make me an efficient or effective or impactful leader. And that's, that's an interesting realization. So there's a question that both of you have heard both of you pose many times, which is why would anybody follow you? Which I think is just a fun provocative question. It's like, true. It's like, okay, we all found ourselves in this organization in a certain form, you know, format I'm up here or in this title, you're down here in this title or this position that doesn't mean anybody's going to follow you or, or, you know, or will, I, I don't know. So I wanted to just like, right, right from the beginning, open it up. What's the power of this question for you? Why do you pose this question?
1: Well, First off, it makes me think of a joke. Do it. Do it. Which is like, you know, what do you call a leader with no followers? It's just a guy taking a walk. And, <laughs> I, and, and <laughs> well, we, I mean, I, I know it. I know it in, in even just talking about the Revenant when I, you know, there's so many moments when I'm up in front of the room and I'm disconnected from the room and I'm paying attention to the room and I don't have them, they're somewhere else. And I know that feeling. And if you're a leader, you know, the fact of like, you, there's something really matters to you. You're at stake for something. And if you really honestly look around, people aren't that you're not that connected to people people aren't that connected to you and something's at stake and that generates stress naturally It better, if you care, if you care about it, it's going to generate stress for you. And where do most people go after that? They go to something's wrong. Something's bad. Something's broken with me with you or with it. You know, like me is easy. You know, I'm blaming myself. I don't know if listeners are no go to that shame conversation first. That's one of the first places I go. Or what's wrong with you? Like what's wrong with these people? Don't they know who I am? Don't they know my job? Don't they haven't they reviewed the org chart? They're supposed to be really paying attention. They're supposed to be really doing what I'm saying. Or there's something wrong with it. There's something wrong with the system. And so we end up as a leader you're at stake and uh, there's this the phenomenon of how connected are people to you is something that is good to, for folks to pay attention to. So this question gets to what happens after that aha moment. First off the realization that if I'm a leader, I might not always be leading. Mm-hmm. If I'm a, you know, there's a difference between, between um, being a leader and being in leadership. So, being in leadership, once you get the promotion, you're in leadership. Congratulations! Now, being a leader is a whole different ballgame. So, anyway, we could talk about we could as we jump through this conversation, start to explore all the value here. I'd like to think about it as um, a leadership, no matter what your position is, because I know we've worked with lots of people that are just like the the guy that you talked to today, that. Um, you know, she was doing something at her level that generated the possibility that someone might appoint her and trust in her and entrust in her lives and resources and outcomes. So now that's a lot of my answers, not to your question. Your question was, what's, what might be helpful or why might we want to ask ourselves that question? Or maybe maybe it was, why is that question so challenging? Was that your question? Yeah. 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 Well, it's a good It's a good long look in the mirror is why it's, I think, most challenging. It's a good long look in the mirror. And it's one of those, one of those questions that I don't know if I know, not for me, and maybe even listeners, am I willing to ask myself that question? Because there's vulnerability in that. And there's responsibility in that. And there's a lot of possibility in that, but those possibilities might show up like threats. Um, and there might be lots, there are for sure. I'll just say asserted like it's true. There are a lot of things that are needed that you're pretty sure you're not good at. For example, if you're like a hard charging leader, hyper ambitious after getting something done, but what might be needed is some softness. What might be needed is some listening. And it's like, Oh shoot, I don't know how to do that. And so we might come up against our own, um, uh, areas of our leadership that we've not yet built. You know, what might be needed in the situation might be something the, the weakest side of myself. And I'd rather not talk about that. I'd definitely rather not rather not deal with that in public. Let me act as if that's not even true. So I get to save myself from what I'd have to face and the questions I'd have to ask and the humility that that would take, you know, so that's a, it's a dangerous question because it's actually based on results mm. and, you know, and you don't, Uh, You don't have to look at it because you could easily blame other people. So I think that's, but there's huge opportunity in that huge possibility. Um, And wondering what makes me worth, what's, what makes following me worth it to people beyond just, they have to, or beyond because they're paid to, but me as a person, what is it about me that calls people into action that calls people into connection?
2: Yeah, the question. Why would somebody follow me? I think <clears throat> hard. To, it's hard to answer if I look at it from my perspective. I have to go over there to the person that would be the you know the potential follower and ask, well, why would they follow me? Well, I mean, in my experience, somebody follows when they get that what the leaders leading them for to, or, you know, for they're leading them from following them is going to somehow contribute to what's most important to them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, why is leadership so difficult? And it's gotta be difficult because there's so many, you know, (laughs) there's no other reason why so many organizations around the world are so poorly led, including most governments. So if leadership were easy, everyone could do it. And, we have a lot fewer problems, you know, in our economy and society if leadership was just, you know, if, if it was if it wasn't difficult, everybody would be doing it. So I think one, when you think about leading. You're going to stand out. And you're willing to be this the, the tip of the spear into the unknown, which means. You're going into an into the unknown. You don't know what necessarily is going to work or not. And that when you fail, you can fail with a kind of presence, humility, that helps not only you learn, but others learn with you. Right? Like, failing is not, you know, if you're not willing to fail, you're never going to lead. That's... And to the idea that you've always got to make it, and quite frankly, I yeah, I can't tell you if I had a dollar for every time somebody told me that they didn't want to be, you know, they wanted to make sure that they look good in front of their people. It'd be, you know, sure you want to look good, but the point is, in order to get a, de- to, in order to develop a trusting, uh, you know, credible relationship with people, you've got to be willing to fail with them and in front of them and then recover. Mm. And, and in that recovery, in, in that is leadership in that as well, how I recover, how it, it, people want to follow someone who can get back up, go again, and even become stronger and and more uh, effective or have a breakthrough in their ability to do what up until that point they hadn't accomplished, you know? And I think more than anything, that, those are the kinds of things that people are afraid of because we don't like to be, you know, Kierkegaard said, the crowd is a dangerous thing. You know, it's a, it's, there is no, the crowd is a nothing that can kill you because, you know, people don't have courage on their own, but in a crowd, they have courage. Right. And so, but the one who does have courage without the crowd is uh, both dangerous and probably worthy of following if, if they can keep their, what makes them dangerous under control, hmm. you know, um, and directed towards what would be beneficial for the people that are following. You know, that's, I think that's a big thing. You know, when you get into, you get into a battle or you get into a conflict, the fr- do you cover yourself or do you look out and reach to help others? And if you cover yourself, well, then people are going to become suspicious of you or me as a leader. But if you can, you know, be concerned for yourself, certainly, but but have the concerns of others as important as the concerns you have for yourself and honor their concerns, particularly when they're even diverse or different than yours in a way that people can understand and you can make the best possible decision for everyone in the process. But that That's hard to do. And that's, a, it's hard to keep that in mind. B, it's it's a it's a challenge to be able to create a narrative where that becomes the goal. Which is, hey, let's look at all the interests here and make the best decisions we can for you know what we're up to and for everybody who's lined up with that. Mm. It's not easy.
0: Yeah, there's um there seems to be at least in conversations that I'm in and even for myself, there's a, a like a tension between looking like a leader and then actually leading.
2: Yeah. Welcome to the age of imposters, right?
0: (laughs) You're right. Exactly. I have a, I have a client that I've been working with for about seven Mm -hmm. months now, works for a big brand household brand that we all know of. And he's, he's, he is making his way through the organization really fast. He's, he has a big heart, loves leadership, loves people, loves his teams. He just got two other teams folded into his, because of other leadership issues. And so, um, he is now, I mean, the stakes were raised in a day (laughs) really, really high for him, the, the feeling of the stakes being raised and, um, and, and something's happening, you know, anytime that there's large, movement and leadership like that, there becomes unease in the organization. People want to know, well, what what does this mean for me? How, who else is getting chopped? All of that kind of stuff. And he's right in the middle of all of that. And, um, the last call we had, he, he was asking me questions around, Hey, how do I, how do I let these people know, or how do I show them that I'm worthy of the leadership position that I have, that I've been put in, in this situation, Like, what do I do? I said, man, such a great question. My question is, who do you want to be for them? How do you want to get And Dan, you talked about personal vested interest or, or why are they there? That would, that's where our conversation went is like, how are you going to get in touch with where, why these people are where they are in the company?
2: And the minute you get connected and they get connected to why they're there, I mean, for them personally, then the stress comes up. Because the minute somebody longs for something, the possibility of not getting it increases the stress. So people tend to want to downplay or mitigate their desires, what they long for. And a great leader will fan those desires. But what I think a lot of leaders forget or don't, it's easy to, because right? we all lead at some point or another is when you do that, you bring the stress up and you, you know, we're living in an age when people think, you know, the common thought is that stress is a bad thing. It's been blamed for everything.
0: Yeah. We want to relieve it. We want to relieve the stress. Yeah.
2: Right. I mean, yeah. For many workplace problems, it's, you know, like uh, mental and physical health and, Low productivity, etc. And there's this movement that's come through uh, where they're trying to relieve. You know, the leaders are trying to get rid of stress. Well, that that's a formula for getting rid of productivity and meaning, mm. <laughs> because you know, there's it's called the the, the stress paradox. Because it, stress is really good for a human being at a certain level, and then at, and then after it exceeds that that gradient, it becomes poor. You know, it's, it's really hard on the human system. Mm-hmm. So you know, how do you do that? How do you maintain stress? You know, a healthy level of stress, and and not have it be unhealthy. And then you know, the other side is if you reduce stress, you take it off of people. They will not perform, and they will lose. A sense of meaning because overcoming things, overcoming obstacles and and challenges, etc., is what builds confidence and a sense of, of um, a sense of se- a sense of self, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning because you're investing yourself and you're aiming at something that's worthy of your time, your focus, your energy, your resources. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's a real paradox that I think a lot of, like, yeah, I hear it a lot. Yeah, we heard it today with a client. Well, you know, we're people first. Yes, of course. And then when we investigate, well, you know, the problem is now we're so people first that, you know, instead of this person making 20 calls a day, they're making 20 calls in a week. mm well, the point isn't how many calls they make, it's what do they produce, and that they're connected to the production in a way that it means something to them, that it's worth giving themselves to. And that by not accomplishing it, there's something they want to, that that's, needs to be called out of them, and they're up for that challenge like in, and and a good leader can create a context where people go i'm up for that challenge even though that looks impossible it's scary just even going for it's worth it i'll make distance on what matters to me by just giving myself to it completely you know that kind of thing yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean so many thoughts here um i was thinking about back to the question um would people, what 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 do people what do people look like? What do people look for? Um, and there's, there's, there's. I think there's the easy answer. The easy answer is competency. Um, but anybody that's leading somebody is probably really competent. Uh, so what else do they look for? And we, we, you, you alluded to the, to one of the other answers. At least for me, Dan, one is like, is a trust question. Is does this leader have in mind what my life's about? Do they know me? Do they know me as an individual, which is, I think, partially why, you know, I think the big rise of uh, personality tests and all that kind of stuff, which kind of gives language to the person here, kind of what their interests are and that kind of thing. Um, You know, so people were looking for somebody that's got my best interest at heart. And uh, that's pretty easy to that's easy to both ignore and really easy to remedy. You know, it doesn't take too long to connect with someone in such a way that they get that you get them. I mean, it's, just, it's it could be a five minute conversation. That's how, how easy it could be. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that hits me is also is, is this leader the type of person I want to become, you know, leaders are naturally icons. They prefer not to be some of them, um, but they're naturally icons. They're iconic. Like I was just talking with a potential client this morning and he is, brilliant brilliant and up until now has loved to kind of be on the sidelines and be a very high-end effective artist and now he's running a multi-million dollar company and he's just hired on 10 staff and we're just talking about the challenge of now like he represents something to his people and does he want to take that on or does he want to just try his best at like being the the smartest designer in the room or does he actually want to be what's the opportunity that's here which is to to be somebody, to be somebody that orients themselves to the world where they actually have a, a very productive generative view of themselves. And they talk about the future in such a way that, that makes it real for people. And they talk about their own life and their own struggles in such a way that other people can struggle more freely. You know, it's like, we all want that. Like on my bad days, I want to know that my team gets me and they don't hold my worst days against me. Mm. Um, but as a leader, if you're, if you're presencing that, if you're talking about the challenge, I mean, this is partially why we call this the naked leadership podcast. The opportunity is to be really vulnerable and connect with people around the productivity and the evolution of personhood in real time and, and breakthrough (laughs) leaders do that. They just do that. They, some, some people do it naturally. Most of us have to make big choices to do that. But I think everybody's looking up and looking at their leader to say, Hey, if, do I want to be like this person? You know, and I think if you could pull that off, which is, you know, some science, a lot of art, then you're going to generate the type of followership and type of loyalty that people that are going to battle for you. You know, I I thought about earlier when you were talking, Chad, about um, you know, when, when somebody's got in that kind of crux moment, when they triple their team size and the first realization is this is always a volunteer army. And I got to orient myself to it in that way. Like it's a volunteer army. Like you know, they might get be getting paid, but they don't. They can get paid and still never be here. That's a great orientation.
0: Yeah, so it is. If I if, I, if payment like doesn't working, guarantee involvement, that's
2: right. Oh, sure. <clears throat> I was thinking about a question because you brought it up. It's so true for me, Adrian. That I want to be like them. I remember working in the in the. I've only worked for one company, really, on my, for you know, as an employee. And I wanted to, because of the leader, right? Because I wanted to be like him. I wanted to learn what he knew. I wanted to be able to conduct myself like him. I wanted to be able to listen like him. And uh, you know, and there's a character aspect of it as well. And so the question came up for me: Well, so what makes someone attractive? And there were two things that made that were particularly attractive to me about the you know this leader and I've had a couple of really strong leaders my one in high school I can remember football coach and then uh this guy I followed when I got older and really wanted to learn the training game and consulting and two things one both of those guys that i've i' followed and I had a couple of women leaders the same way I had a a woman named uh, Liza Ingrassi, another gal named uh, Kelly Poulos. They were both very same, same kind of traits. They were dangerous. And, but they weren't, they were the kind of dangerous that you could, tr- you, you you knew what they, they were dangerous. You didn't want to tr- cross them. They could They were dangerous because they could read you. They were dangerous because they knew how to get inside your head and they, they would point things out to you you didn't know and didn't want to see maybe even but they were trustworthy they were danger that was directed and focused and so it's you know it's like you, you want to, there's something beautiful about that it, it's it's um there's something that is attractive because it's like play, handling fire if you handle it right it's very constructive <laughs> you can really have something turn out but if you're if you're foolish you're going to pay and and they're not afraid to have those conversations and it isn't that they're making you pay but you learn that being out of alignment with what you cared for when you came on board is a painful thing because you realize the future that's coming from it you realize that if you continue down this path in this attitude or you know, without this discipline, not only are you going to pay, but others are going to pay that you care about. And and to to have that kind of connection is, um, there's something paradoxical. It's dangerous and it's comforting because if you get off path, you're going to know it and that keeps you on path. You know, that keeps your mind on the things that are most important.
1: So yeah, you know, I mean one of our favorite drugs of choice at TNG is meaning. Yeah. You know, and that that you 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 always are such a champion for meaning, Dan. And everything we write, every every bit of copy that we ever put anywhere, meaning, 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 it it makes sense that you know, what you're talking about at least to me, that's the big word that flies through. And and, and it flies through like These types of leaders that you're talking about, I'm thinking about a couple. I mean, you were kind of you were my second big leader, Dan, that that I wanted to be around. And my first one, you know, he was brilliant, and he was he was attracted me
2: too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, was brilliant and was a renegade, and and I loved it, Um, and really loved being close to him. And then there was time to move on, and I did. my point here is that um, it's attractive to be, to be around people that have decided to give a shit Mm -hmm. essentially, right. Give a shit about life. Like here we are on a Wednesday, on a Wednesday afternoon. And this can matter. Like this moment matters. This conversation can really matter. Like somebody's going to listen to this and something's going to change for them and their life could be changed. Now, is that true or not? I don't know, but I, I'm deciding to believe that I'm not going to be sitting here, checked out, that I'm actually going to be here and listening. How do I contribute to the conversation as if it matters Mm -hmm. and great leaders live like that, like it, you know, in a funny way that they give a shit. Well, that's what I was going
0: to say is like, it could matter for me or it could not. And there's been times that I've been here and not here. And there's been times when I am here and made it, made it, uh, meaningful. So sorry, you were you were finishing up your thought. I just wanted to put that no. point in there. It's just like I get to choose how I'm showing up, regardless of whatever it's going to do
2: on the back end. Well, if it, right people, people when you make something matter, you will fight for it. Mm-hmm. You will do things that the average um, person who's only concerned about looking good, feeling good, being you know comfortable and being right, you know, just getting by, they're not going to be concerned with that. And that's what seems dangerous because somebody who's really committed to something that means something to them are willing to risk those things. And so they appear dangerous because they, they're willing to risk your approval for what matters to them.
1: Mm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that was a big shift in my life and I might've talked about on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and the shift was this, and I'll just give a caveat first, Uh, you know, once you find language for something you've always looked for. So this is the moment I found some language for what I was always had a sense of, or at least, at least this, this, uh, defined kind of the high dive, uh, diving board, which was just the realization that I'm, I, not only am I, but I want to be what I called an acquired taste. Like I'm not for everybody oh, and that's, that's for sure. And then being, and then being <laughs> amen, huh? And then, <laughs> and then being okay with that. I'm not for everybody. I get it. I really get it. And for those that I'm too much for, or too intense for or too serious for or too philosophical for or too, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. I've heard these adjectives throughout my life and tried my best to not be those things because I wanted to kind of be a lot of things to a lot of people or, you know, be able to fit in all time zones. No, I ended up practicing death all the times I was trying not to be me. And now it's just, okay. Not that I can't like lighten up and tell jokes and goof off and dance and all that kind of stuff, which I I, I can, you know, do. Um, but it's like, it just matters to me. It really matters. And, you know, the heart of the matter, I want to get to it. And that's not for everybody. And that's okay. To your point, Dan, about leaders are willing to risk other people's approval. And that's just been a practice for me too. Cause it's not like every single day, I, I don't notice the imposter that wants to protect myself um, or like the chameleon that I can also be very good at is like, you know, w- you know, building rapport with anybody. I mean, that's a, a trait of mine, but it's like, no, let me go and be me and see if that works. And, and if it, and, and if it does work, then I've got some loyalty. And if it doesn't work great, I just don't have compatibility, no big deal. Um, so there's anyway, that, that, that comes up for me as we're talking about this, I think it's a very cogent point, Dan of the essence of the danger is, uh, they're not great leaders are not going to bow to your opinion of them. Great leaders. I think always care about your opinion of them. Like anybody that tells me, I don't care what other people think about me. Watch out. Yeah. Um, cause they're just done learning. They don't want to learn it all anymore. Yeah. And now they're just here to prove how they're perfect. Um, but, you know, those that can listen for feedback, want feedback can integrate useful feedback, take what works for them according to whatever their vision is. Um, but they're going to, you know, live with a level of tension that gets the real conversations to the table in, in a faster way. Yeah,
2: it's more like I care about what you think of me and that won't stop me from being who I need to be to, you know, to have my life turn up. Yeah.
0: yeah, or being committed right. to what I say, I'm committed to. Yeah, I just that's right. Not going
2: to govern what I do or say or how I live on what you think of me. And do I care about what you think of me? Sure, I you know I, everybody wants to be loved and liked and part of the herd. but Yeah, <laughs> you know nowadays, you know you think about it, cancel culture has no place amongst the the free, <laughs> because to be canceled you have to really worry about what people think about you. And if they, I've watched Joe Rogan and some of the stuff that's come down with him and to see him so graciously stand in the face of so much disapproval and still deliver value is one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. I mean, you know, and I, he, you know, just really inspiring to watch people do that.
0: Yeah. It's like his purpose, his goal, his, his commitment is unmoved. By the opinions of people around and, him. And not, and bitter, not bitter, not yeah, bitter. Yeah. And it's, it's not that he's not listening either. Cause he's oh. issued some statements and Hey, thanks for bringing this to my attention. This, you know, that's could do better
2: a, here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I, like I just, just want to go ahead. go ahead. Well, I just want to say, I just want to say too, and I know we're short on time today, but uh, you know, uh, it brings me back to a moment at the Revenant when a guy that probably, he was probably the most sure guy in the room that he knew what it meant to love people walking in a little bit of feedback during at near the end of the the training was how blown away he was by you, Dan, about what love could be. And it's because you kept practicing this principle is that here's what I'm here to get done. And I'm unapologetic about it. And I want you to like me, but I'm going to, you know, die a thousand times and get up and go again and go again and go again to make a difference for you, uh, which is our types of trainings. It's deep advocacy work. It's not educational work. Um, it's deep personal advocacy work. And that guy that thought probably when coming in that he had it figured out, um, he said, wow, that's something new I haven't seen before. I mean, you live this out, man. So thank you for that. I know
2: you've done it in my life. Thousands well, it was, times. That was like a, that was better than any paycheck. I couldn't believe it. Yep because he was so resistant in the beginning. So yeah, Uh, I'm going to
0: just cap this off by something you said already, Adrian, that I just, just really hit me. And I just want to reiterate it as we, as we close up this conversation. The other thing is I got so many new topics just that came out in this conversation that we're going to tackle on this podcast. One of them, Dan, being the stress thing. I think I I really want to have a flesh fleshed out conversation about that. The statement you made, Adrian, and you said it's, it's a, it's a dangerous question referring to the question, why would anyone follow you? It's a dangerous question because it's based on results. Yeah. And that's really powerful, man. That is really, really, that's a gift to me. That's a, that's a beautiful statement because we want to make up that our leadership is the way we look. We perceive our leadership rather than getting connected to what our leadership is creating. Um, to who, the people. who are we attracting and what
2: are they up to with us
0: that's right so thank you so much what a great conversation uh, appreciate the time thanks chad thank you
1: man thanks for the rich conversation hope you guys absolutely enjoy. all right bye-bye everybody Joe.
0: Thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody.